So welcome to another episode of Who Deserved to Be. Um, today's guest is the second of the, the trio of Adams. Um, if you'll remember, I had uh, Adam Heinley on um, a couple of weeks ago, I believe. Uh, it was a great episode. Um, so we ha- today I have his, his business partner on. Um, I won't go into too much, too much detail, so I'll let him get on and explain what he does and we'll go from there. So. Welcome, Adam Smith. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. So, yeah, two of the three Adams from A Game. So, we're a health and wellbeing company that specialises in improving people's internal, physical, and mental health. So, Adam H is the physio slash personal trainer and the NLP mindset coach. So, I've just got a fascination with people and why we do what we do and what makes us tick and how we can change it. So, uh, you know, I've been studying self development for probably 15, 16 years, something like that, maybe longer. And um, yeah, like I said, I've always had this obsession with people's behaviour, why we do what we do every day, habitually, emotionally, um, and everything in between. So yeah, it's good to be here. Awesome, brilliant. Yeah, it sounds absolutely, sounds really intriguing and interesting. So I'll let you dive in to explain what you what you do a bit more with everything. Sure. So NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. So neuron is the brain. Linguistic is the messages that we send to the brain. And then the programs are the ones that are formed from the information that's gathered. Essentially, that's the easiest way to put it. But to put it simpler, I help people stop feeling like crap. So if you imagine your brain as a phone, I help you delete, delete all the old apps that you don't need that aren't serving you anymore and download new ones. You know, it doesn't mean that we pretend that the apps never existed but we don't have to open them every day and press on them a million times either, you know, and to go with the analogy of that, it's essentially to get rid of things like limiting beliefs, imposter syndrome, um, lack of confidence, poor routine, not understanding why they do what they do, habit creation, uh, helping people get over fears, phobias. Yeah. It's, it's really powerful. The NLP stuff for sure. But my coaching style is very conversational. You know, I like to, very much get down to the the bare bones of it as quickly as I can and I typically can do that within three or four questions and that's why I absolutely love what I do so it's not therapy that I help people with it is very much coaching and forward thinking but at the same time we have to understand where the problem began if we want to be able to change it because what most people say to me is always I've always done that it's not always and when I correct people, it's not me being pedantic or me trying to show everyone how clever I am. But equally, we don't have to catastrophize and use throwaway language that is so destructive for us day to day. You know, some of the typical things that I'll hear people say is I've always struggled with anxiety. It's like always struggled with anxiety as opposed to saying I've got a poor strategy for coping with anxiety or I've got a poor strategy for coping with my thoughts. That's what it is. And obviously no one really speaks like that. (laughs) But at the same time, what's the alternative? The alternative is to believe that narrative and carry on, you know, so you're always going to struggle going forward. If you use that narrative, as opposed to, I used to struggle 
even better. I used to struggle with anxiety, but now I've got a better coping mechanism. So just by those, you know, those subtle messages that we do send to ourselves, I help people really rectify that as well to create this compelling future for themselves that everybody really wants, especially over the last couple of years, you know, everything's been so challenging. Oh, wow. So if someone was to come to you, say, for a, a part of a program, is that all included with you and the other two Adams as well? Yeah. So we tend to do like an eight week program. Um, so eight weeks, it's not that you'll be, you know, fully proverbially fixed or healed or whatever. Right. But it's a great place to start. It's a great foundation. And we go back to those basic foundations. So everyone's at different levels. You know, we tend to work with high performing individuals. So um, we work with a very specific kind of clientele, people that have achieved and continue to achieve, but they feel like they don't deserve it or they feel like that they've become so busy they can't keep up with their own health and well-being. Uh, that those are kind of problems that we tend to rectify for people is making sure that they get this good mindset and um, healthy habits around the hectic lifestyle they've created due to their unbelievable success. So yeah, we, we tend to formulate it that you get one coaching call a week with the, you know, with one of the Adams, you'll get a personalized nutrition plan, personalized exercise and gym routine and one-to-one uh, -one sessions with me. Plus we do group coaching every Tuesday as well. So yeah, it's all formed nicely together to hit those three pillars of health because the fourth pillar of health is sleep. And that's really a byproduct of getting the other three right in the first place. Yeah, definitely. It's people, a lot of people really underestimate the value of sleep, don't they? It's, it's people say oh i'm all right with only three or four hours or i'm all right with i can't i can't function until i've had 10 hours sleep not realizing that actually by the time they've got halfway through the day after 10 hours sleep they're absolutely exhausted thinking they've not had enough sleep when actually they've overslept mm, that's exactly it mate yeah and you know it's you almost look at it like a, a bank balance let's say mm. the perfect amount is eight hours a night so you've got 56 Let's say that you were, you know, I don't know, one night you got four or five, because let's say you might have young children, right? It's all right, I was saying you have to get eight and you've got screaming kids and uh, you might work an hour and a half away um, from where you live and you have to commute and then there's traffic and then there's this and you might have dogs, whatever. There's a million reasons as to why someone might have a poor night's sleep. So yes, the perfect ideal amount would be eight. So let's say you're 56 in the bank for the course of the week. And if you have slept... 40 by the weekend don't overcompensate and sleep 16 hours the next day right you need to just make sure that there, there is a bit of an alignment and a bit of a balance over those two days um it's a much healthier way to do that so yeah it's like calorie deficit when you're trying to lose weight as well you need to make sure that you're at that nice balance so yeah just try not to oversleep like you say that can be just as detrimental but there's a shocking amount of people that do die you know the statistics in america anyway people that tend to fall asleep at the wheel it's uh, it's actually quite shocking really the amount of death that can cause and sleep deprivation is a interrogation tactic for a reason <laughs> yeah of course it is yeah it's, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it's um pretty um like when i have my i call him like my coach laugh because i call them treat days rather than cheat days mm. um because i the way i look at it because in my fitness journey and i've lost i've lost around 84 pounds in total in the last three years Oh, awesome. And um, he's, in, he's helped me incredibly. And one of the things I always remember with 
it's an old it's an old Arnold Schwarzenegger thing I heard him say. I think a lot lots of other people have, have obviously gone by it, but he always Arnold Schwarzenegger was the first person I heard it from, and he said, "Well, you have got twenty four hours in a day, and you subtract you subtract like how many hours you work." Uh, so if you work an eight typical eight hour shift, and then and then you might have a little bit of your social time or your eating time or something like that, you take off two or three hours and you sleep for say six seven hours a day. You left with so many hours a day, and that actually used to help me a lot working out. You sit down, how many hours you got, um, you got spare for the day, and you think, oh yeah, I can get in even just a twenty minute workout a day. Um, but yeah, going back to the old the, the treat meals as I call them, I always like I like to leave them on a Saturday because I think I work out Monday to Friday or sometimes even Saturday mornings. And you think it gets to Saturday night and you've you've done work so hard and you need that little because you need to have a little treat like once in a while, don't you? Because otherwise you're just gonna be <laughs> completely zone, you're not you're not gonna be the same person. But um I always notice though, even just that one treat meal, like how much it actually affects my sleep sometimes. It's it's crazy. And I think I used to eat like that all the time. Mm. That's the thing. It's what, what most people do is uh, say that anyway, most people that are looking to lose weight or go on a fitness journey. Mm. Monday to Friday, they consume 2,000 calories to be in a maintenance level. Um, Saturday, they might eat 2,300, so they're not going crazy. But then Sunday, they eat 3,000. And they kid themselves and say, oh, well, no, it wasn't that bad. It was just a, just a bit of a cheat day. And even if you're in a surplus by 100 calories, it's still a surplus based on the levels that you need in order to lose weight. So you're going to be kicking yourself as opposed to maybe even allowing yourself the odd little treat throughout the course of the day. It could just be like a little chocolate bar, like a mini one. It could be, you know, a little bag of crisps at lunch and a toasted sandwich or whatever the, the more you deprive yourself of something the more you're going to crave it so you know it's like what um it's referred to as habit hacking you know it's it's a, a method and a system that's used to get past getting over the you know drinking of alcohol for example i'm nearly two years alcohol free now and i started off by just replacing beers with non-alcoholic beers because you know the habit wasn't drinking the beer. The habit was going to the fridge, opening a cold, refreshing drink, pouring it into the glass, taking a drink and going, ah, isn't that better? So how can I just hack that? Well, how I can hack it is by replacing it with a non-alcoholic beer that's only got, you know, a few calories in it, basically. And then eventually you go down from the cold, refreshing beer to Diet Coke. And then you go from Diet Coke to sparkling water because it's the it's the refreshing fizzy carbonated drink for example and people might think i'm not going to go from drinking carlin to sparkling water but you know it, it is a yeah. process of course and Absolutely. it takes a long time to do so but that's essentially a, a really good way to do it is to is to habit hack and that's whether that's that meal prepping um you know doing it with or maybe even habit stacking which can be used where you're doing two things at once so i don't have time to read a book and go for a walk well, do you have time to consume an audio book while walking? Well, absolutely. So there you've got habit pairing or habit stacking, as it's known. You know, when you're meal prepping, you can listen to an inspirational podcast. So you're pairing something together that you don't like to do, something that you do like to do. So it's going to help it to pass a lot faster. You know, there's several little practices that you can implement in your day-to-day -day structure that's actually going to make you thrive rather than just survive.
Yeah, totally. I totally agree with you. And I, I actually, when I do my weights, I actually love to listen to um, motivational podcasts rather than music. Because yeah. music, yeah, I find music's quite good. But I, for me, I find music's more like if I was going out for a walk or something like that, sort of a calming sort of thing. Whereas I think with me, with motivational podcasts, especially the, like the Les Thomas and stuff like that, and they're literally screaming and shouting at you down the phone. Mm. I think it, it just gives you that extra edge for some reason. It's something that triggers in your brain, isn't it? It gives you that extra push. Yeah, I've just lost your sound there, mate. A little bit of dipped out. No, it's a bit, a bit, a bit quiet again. Can you hear me now? There we go. It's better. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just really faint. Um, yeah, that's it. When you know, when you have these uh, incredible speakers that are out there to upbeat music, you know, some people listen to uh, death metal, but they absolutely hate death metal. But it's really aggressive <laughs> and it's really intense to get you going for your workout. You know, that's the whole, the whole thing. It just depends on what what gets you going but you know it, a lot of the time I think there's a lot of pressure around people because there's so much conflicting information so as you were saying there with uh, Arnie he's a great inspiration for so many people going to the gym but he says if you want eight hours sleep sleep faster mm-hmm. you know so it, it can be quite detrimental at the same time because certain people will be like oh I want to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger was when he was in his peak and he's saying get five or six hours sleep. So maybe I'm not doing enough. And that creates massive guilt as well. So I think with a lot of self-development, it comes down to being very hyper aware of what it is you actually want to achieve. Because it's what I refer to as a really simple equation of behaviors versus expectations. If your expectation is to have a six pack, but your behavior is to have cheat meals on Saturday, Sunday, you're probably going to be really miserable. You know, so if you say I'm all right having a little bit of chub and a bit of a dad bod, then you're going to be aligned. You're going to be like, here, well, that's okay. I'm all right having the cheat meal on a Saturday, Sunday, and I don't really mind being in this state. If your expectation is to be a great dad or a great husband, and your behaviour is sat on the phone at meal times and not engaging with your children or your partner, you're going to be really miserable. So you have to always just be not brutally honest. You just have to be honest with yourself and just say. Am I doing enough? Are my expectations too high? Do I need to reduce them? Or do I just need to improve the behavior? And it's really that simple. But people make it very, very complex and start bringing in all sorts of BS, like my genetics is the reason I can't lose weight. Oh, I just look at a cake and I put weight on. Oh, this, oh, that, or the other. When in reality, it's probably the behavior that's actually holding them back. But they don't want to do that and hold the mirror up to themselves and say, maybe I'm just not doing enough. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a deprecating way either. It could just be in a really nice, simple, okay, I just need to reflect, I need to refine, and I need to repeat, and then just keep assessing as you go. Of course. And obviously a lot of that is, like, as you say, is, is mindset, is your mental health state. Is, uh, is A lot of the time, I think, it's, like I said, it's the anxiety and confidence issues because a lot of people will, will be overweight and they look in the mirror and, they're depressed because they've let themselves go and stuff like that, but then they don't have the confidence to go into a gym because they're afraid of people looking at them funny and judging them. What what do you say to those people that come to you like that? The most difficult thing to do when you're in a low state is to, number one, imagine that it can get better. 
a number two is to remove yourself from the situation. So what I mean is, if I'm not just going to go to somebody who's miserable and overweight and say, get back in the gym, pal, it'll be fine. What I do is I just ask them, when you go to the gym, do you judge other people on what they're doing? And they always say, well, no. Okay, so if you can imagine just for a second that you're floating above this situation and looking down on it, and can you honestly tell me anyone's actually looking at you and caring? Because if you don't do it, then why do you think other people do it to you? Everyone is so so self-obsessed in a way, self-absorbed that they're not worried about your spots. They're worried about their own spots when you're at school, right? (laughs) It's the same in the gym. I'm too focused on my own workout to care what other people are doing. Now, don't get me wrong. If you see some massive, you know, hench guy deadlifting 300 kilos, I might go, oh, bloody hell, that's impressive. But I'm not going to go over and go, oh, no, look how much stronger he is than me. It's ridiculous. It's like, you know, watching a marathon and going, why is Mo Farah fitter than me? You'd just be banging your head against the wall the entire time because, you know, the old phrase comparison is a thief of joy has never been, you know, true word spoken. So what I say to people is I have like a four-step method really for making any lasting change in your life. Number one is you just have to deal with the reality of the situation. So the reality might be that you are three stone overweight pretending that you're not is going to make you even more miserable so we just have to deal with the reality of it that's all the reality is i need to lose weight okay so i need to eat healthier and i need to start doing some more exercise because as we all know nutrition is 80 percent of weight loss anyway so there doesn't need to be this enormous focus on the gym but can you go for a walk around a park of course i can no problem great um can you start eating a little bit healthier and chopping out ben and jerry's at the end of every meal time on an evening well, yeah, I probably could do. Could you replace it with a protein ice cream? Yeah, I could do that. Okay, no problem, right? Go back to the habit hack that we said before. The second step is to look at the problem for what it is. So what it is isn't great because you're overweight and you're upset and you're frustrated. But number three, don't look at it for worse than it is. So what most people do is they go straight to this one. They look at it for worse than it is oh, I'm fat, I'm stupid, I'm ugly, I've got no friends, I'm never going to be in shape again. And they start beating themselves up unnecessarily. And we don't have to do that. So instead, we can deal with the reality I'm overweight. We can look at it for what it is, which is I need to get a plan. I might need to get a trainer. I might need to download Couch to 5K. I might need to go on my fitness pal and track my calories. How do I get an accurate assessment of your calories? A good method that I use is... Um, you want to eat 12 calories per pound of body weight for a couple of weeks and then go down to 11, then 10, then nine, and then just keep subtracting it away. That way you're in a really nice gradual deficit. So when you do make the changes, you're not really even going to notice it, but you'll feel like you're not really depriving yourself of anything. And a year from then you'll feel incredible. So don't look at it for worse than it is. And then number four, you have to look at it for better than it is eventually. You have to give yourself that compelling future because otherwise you're just going to be stuck in what it is. And as I said earlier, what it is isn't great. So, you know, when you start to look at it for better than it is, it may have been that you were previously athletic and now you're not. Start getting some of those photos out. Start looking at how you were before. What habits was I doing? 
it may be that you've never been in shape, which is obviously a difficult place to be because you might not ever be able to imagine that. And I get that too. But what most people do is they wait for emotion to start taking action, i.e., I'm going to listen to an Eric Thomas or a Les Brown video to get me pumped up and then I'll go to the gym. That's the wrong approach. Instead, we want to make sure we're taking the action to then get the motivation afterwards because that actually breeds the emotion as opposed to the other way around. Because so many people say to me, I'm just not motivated today. If I only trained when I was motivated, I'd probably go once a week. <laughs> twice a week when I'm really up for it, when I wake yeah, up at like yeah. quarter to six in the morning yeah. because it's cold, it's wet, the bed is warm and it's dry and my partner's in bed. Oh, just come back to bed. We'll have a cuddle. It's fine. <laughs> and you have to get up and you have to go. And, you know, okay, I don't go every day. I'm, I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I do train four times a week and work hard. But the reason why is because I know how it's going to make me feel afterwards as opposed to I feel good now, so therefore I'm going to train to make me feel good afterwards. No, I'm going to have to train to make me function for the day. I've got clients. I've got people that I have to try and work with and inspire each day. So how do I get myself in that mindset? I've got to go exercise. I've got to go make sure I'm hitting my mental and physical states. And then I get into my emotional state after I've showered and relaxed by doing meditation and by doing journaling and writing down my goals for the day. So there is a big process to it, but to put it simply for anyone that's looking to just get started, just get started. <laughs> just get, don't, don't think marathon, right? If you can't walk for 30 minutes at the moment uh, without being out of breath, don't think I want to run a marathon in 90 days or this year and set this outlandish thing. It's like saying I want to become an actor and in six months, where's my Oscar? You don't want to do that. That's like, you know, one of the pinnacles of what it is you're trying to achieve. If you want to become an actor, think local acting school, think YouTube videos, think studying my craft. It's the same with this. The hardest part is just getting your damn trainers on and going for a walk. And then you can compound that and build it over time. Can you walk for 30 minutes today? Yes, I can. Okay, well, in theory, tomorrow you could probably walk for 32 minutes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Can you do 35 the next day? Yeah, well, if you can do 35, you can probably do 40, right? Yeah, can you do 45? Build it. Get to week three. Can you do a one-minute jog without stopping? Uh, yeah, I can do that if I had to. Great. And then you just keep building from there. And obviously, depending on the severity of where you're at with your weight or your fitness levels, everyone's different. But let's go off average Joe, who might be a stone or two overweight. Within 90 to 180 days, you will be able to run 10K. And then within another year from that, you will be able to run a marathon because that is how the compound effect works. Slowly building over time and getting this little much better, 1%, 1% better each day. And you'll, you'll be unrecognizable in a year from now. Of course, yeah, totally. I think a lot of things that I hold people back a lot is they're too focused on the future end goal rather than the next step, which is the next day, you know what I mean? And taking that next step and moving forward, like you said, in those small small steps, because people think, yeah, you don't look on you don't look into the past because that holds you back but too many people look into the future and it holds their present and they don't think about that. And they, I used to be like that. I used to think about the end goal thinking, Oh yeah, I can't wait to 
have my six pack and all my muscles, you know what I mean? That's that's a great end goal, obviously. That's an amazing end goal. But I'm not think well, not thinking about what I'm going to do in an hour's time or or the next day. And I always I always actually find it that the days I get out of bed and I really don't want to work out, I really just want to sit on the sofa. But when I actually get up and go out, I actually feel ten times better on those days than what I do on the days where I actually wake up and I'm shorts and t-shirts straight on and I'm out doing my workout. The, the benefits from that, I feel, is amazing. Yeah, and this is the, the problem is when you... There's nothing wrong with setting a, um, a big goal, right? Because you want, you want the, the big goal to, to scare you and your daily habits to be achievable, mm. you know? Because um, the big goal wants to scare you and the habits don't, right? But when we... When we put it on something like a marathon, that's a direct achievement. Okay, so you cross the line, you're done. When it's with your body, it's completely subjective. If I finish a marathon in nine hours or three hours, it's almost irrelevant because I've crossed the line. Okay, then you might go, I did it in nine hours, I want to do it in eight hours 50. That's a new goal to hit, of course, no problem. When you do it with your body, though, and if you have a weight goal, it's the wrong goal. Because people say to me, if they're 17 and a half stone, let's say, when I hit 16, then I'll be happy. Newsflash, you won't. <laughs> you won't be happy because you put it on something finite, i.e. when I hit that. So what if you, let's say you look the best you've ever looked at 16 stone, three pounds. You're going to be really frustrated and you're going to go, oh, well, I'm not happy yet because I've not hit 16. And you might go, I know, mate, but you're waking up at 6 a.m. every day now. You used to wake up at 8. You're eating overnight oats and it used to be a fry-up. You're drinking three litres of water and it used to be four litres of beer. You know, you're fitter than you've ever been. You're now a size 34 waist and you used to be a 40. Yeah, I know, but I said when I was 16 stone, then I'd be happy. It's like, why wait? Be happy now. Right. So this isn't like a rah-rah thing or false positivity because that's not what I'm about either. If you're in a bad spot right now, I'm not just saying be happy because that's ridiculous. What I am saying is if you're putting it all in this proverbial end destination, what happens when you do hit it? You know, it's known as um oh like astronaut syndrome or something like that. I might be paraphrasing, but when the people that landed on the moon, the first people to land on the moon. They all end up depressed. And in some cases, some of them were suicidal. The reason why is because what do I do now? I've landed on the moon. How would you beat it? <laughs> What's the next goal? I've got nothing else to aim for. So if you can make it, you know, again, it's an old phrase thrown about a lot. Focus on the process and not the prize at the end. It is huge because it's true. If you, if you every day focus, well, not every day, but you know what I mean. If you focus most days at getting up at 6, 6.30, eating a healthy breakfast, drinking three litres of water, finding an exercise you actually enjoy, because the gym isn't the be-all and end-all, by the way. If you like playing basketball or swimming or football, great. Do whatever lights you up as a person. And you repeatedly do that, you will lose weight. You will become fitter. You will be happier. It's that simple. And, you know, if I improve my lifts in the gym by um, one kilogram, let's say on the bench, I've got a 0 0.5 play on each side. If I can do that week on week, I'm over the moon. 
Michael Phelps used to say that he trained eight hours a day to shave off 0.01 of a second off his time. Not a second, because it's not going to happen. Because once he gets to a certain threshold, like Usain Bolt, oh, I hit nine seconds, 9.7 seconds. He can't then go, I'm going to run it in nine seconds, because it's just not feasible. So what he's aiming for 9.65, then he'll be aiming for whatever. He trained four years to run nine seconds. You know, because there's always something to, to beat that's actually doable. Because where do you move if it's weight, if it's weight orientated? Oh, well, uh, I'll go down to 15, 10 now. But you might be so happy at 16 because your behaviors and your expectations align again. Yeah. Exactly. So the scales are a great metric, but please don't use that as the be all and end all for success because it's no, not. <laughs> definitely not. It's, I, I have these scales that obviously they measure your, your, your body weight and your, and your BMI, which I completely ignore. Mm. Um, but because BMI, yes, it's a great measurement, but Dwayne Johnson's BMI could be of someone that's overweight. You know what I mean? Yeah, but um, I I have the scales, but I may I jump on them like once every two weeks just to monitor a few things and that. But I don't religiously go by that because, like you said, you get obsessed with it and you lose control. I just go off well, my clothes are fitting, how I'm feeling on the day, each days. Some days I, I feel like I could do with you know what I mean, like upping myself a little bit more, but like. Like you're saying, with the journey is the best part to monitoring yourself rather than, like you said, the end goal and going through the journey. Because I'm a strong believer of focusing on the on the journey of getting there with my mental health story when I, I had my breakdown and I attempted suicide and, and stuff like that. I was, I was completely zoned out not to think about where I was going to be in the future. My focus was on my journey of trying to find me again, trying to find where I belonged in society again and find out what I was going to do with life again. I didn't think about where I was going. If, I, if I'd thought about where I was going to be in, in 17 years' time, which is where I am now, my journey, God, no, I hate to think where I would have been in my journey because I would have been so disillusioned to, you know what I mean? And, and journey... I had so many ups and downs, so many things that could have knocked me off my path. Mm. And even in my fitness journey, so many things that could knock me off my path. And, and if you, because you would, if you were too focused on the end goal and you had them things, life knocked you off your tracks, got, you end up anyway, if you're not too focused on your journey. But before Christmas, I got, I got hit down with COVID. I was in and out of hospital for, for uh, two or three months. I, my lungs had collapsed. I had fluid in both of them. I had an infection. Still having a treatment for a blood clot in my right lung. And I put twenty pounds back on during that time because, as most people do, we're human, don't we? We we feel sorry for ourselves. And where do we go? We go and hit the junk food. We get back into the old habits again. Mm. But then, when things have started healing and I could start feeling myself doing a few more, I ended up losing that twenty pound again. And I feel better now than what I did before I got hit with COVID because you've got that resilience in, in your journey. Yeah, 100%. And there are so many variables, you know, and things can happen where, again, this is why I hate things like Slimming World and Weight Watchers and whatever, because, you know, 
let's say you've got all these amazing new habits in and you're doing X, Y, and Z and working your ass off and blah, blah, blah. Hop on the scale. Oh, you've only lost one pound. Deborah lost four. Well, I don't care. Deborah's got a complete different life to me. Deborah's probably a different age. Deborah's got different metabolism. Deborah's got whatever. Um, you know, and it's a nonsense, really. So, yeah, if you can, if you can just focus on beating you in a sense from last week, however that might look, you'll be on a good path. And also, if you can't, then just be honest and go, why didn't I? Well, I was injured. The thing is, what, what I see with most people is what they identify as. And I don't mean um, sexually or, you know, um, gender or whatever. I just mean, if you refer to yourself as, you know, oh, I'm a gym goer, I go three to four times a week, and then you go twice, you've got all this guilt straight away. As opposed to just saying, um, you know, I'm a fit and healthy person. That's it. Then you get to decide because I'm a fit and healthy person that's actively deciding to rest today. I'm a fit and healthy person that went six times last week and I'm only going to go three times this week because I get to choose. You know, people can tell if you go to the gym or not more often than not, so you don't need to tell them how many times you train to try and impress anybody. <laughs> Just go and do it for you because there's, there's junk values and there's quality values and a junk value is going to the gym to impress other people. The quality value is going to the gym to make you fitter, make you healthier. And, you know, if you want to look better, great. But why do you want to look better for my own confidence? That's a quality value to make sure girls like me is a junk value because you're always going to be chasing somebody else's opinion. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I must admit, I got stuck in that. I'm quite happy to admit that I got stuck in that that phase where, oh, I can't wait to, obviously I can't wait to look good if like playing football with the lads and you've got skins against shirts. Mm. I could actually be on the skin side rather than the shirts for a change. Mm. But and then I could be like, oh, them girls would probably look at me. And you know what I mean? Getting their opinion of having girls look at you a different way than what I used to be. And I got stuck in that. And then like, like you, my coach helped me out to realise that, screw them. <laughs> screw what they think, whether I've, got a little bit of that overhang on my belt or, or I've got a six pack it's yeah you just got like you said you got to do it for yourself and for your beliefs yeah it's subjective as well right yeah. one person's you know it's like one one man's trash is another one's treasure right so some women will go oh god look at that six pack I want a bit of comfort when I lay on my man yeah. and then you know you've got these men chasing six packs and <laughs> you know, other people might go Oh no, he, he needs to be absolutely shredded and I need to know whatever. So yeah, it, it, like I said, I spent most of my 20s doing that. So I'm, I'm not like getting on my high horse saying, have you got a jump value? Everyone, of course, everyone, everyone trains to look better. Um, but I do it also for the right reasons, which is to improve performance, which is to get fitter, get stronger, get faster and make sure that, you know, I'm 34 now, make sure that by the time I'm 40, I'm still active and fit and healthy. That's my next big milestone and after when I hit 40 it'll be when I hit 50 because it's just it's part of what I do I, I saw a really interesting thing actually when you touched on Arnold Schwarzenegger then he was on uh, Logan or Jake Paul's podcast or Logan Paul's podcast and they said to him why do you still go to the gym like you're 76 or whatever he was at the time give it up and he said why do you still brush your teeth <laughs> he's like why would I just stop doing something just because of my age He's like, it's just part of who I am. It's part of my identity. 
So when it becomes part of your identity, that's where the real shift happens because it's just then something you do. Like I said earlier, you don't even need to mention that you do exercise because everyone can tell that you do anyway. Exactly. Yeah. It's um yeah, he's just such an inspiration, a motivational guy, isn't he? Unfortunately. I think I actually when you said that, I actually think I remember seeing something something along those lines where he said, Why do you I I just thought that was brilliant because yeah, it's everything you do needs to matter for, matter for you and not for anyone else. And your habits need to matter for what you want to do, your goals. And it doesn't affect anyone else's life. It just affects your life. And you just need to do it and be comfortable with whatever decisions you make. Mm, 100%. So, um, but I think that's a great way to end the, um, end the episode, to be honest. Awesome. Um, that's a great, yeah, I've learned a lot from that as well. That was a great episode. And, um, I certainly can uh, take a few, few things from that, a few tricks from that for my to help with my um, my workouts and that for sure, and help me boost my confidence. Sometimes I I know I can lift heavier than what I used to do. Um, I did get to pretty lift heavy uh, barbell curling pretty heavy before I was ill. I think it was about seventy kilos I was curling. Mm. Um, which was good for me. I'm, I'm only up to 40 now because obviously I had to watch what I was lifting, but it's given me that confidence now to push on and go for that and get back to where I was. If you get stuck in the rut a little, for a little while, don't you? When you you have been ill and you've been injured, you get stuck and it's just trying to find that niche again isn't it? and push yourself forward. Yeah, and that's where the deal with the reality of the situation comes back in because, you know, I hear people say all the time, like it might be, oh, they used to run 100 metres in X. I used to be able to do this on the row machine. Yeah, but you can't anymore, or you can't right now. So let's not worry about what you used to be able to do. I used to be able to get my legs over my head when I was a toddler, but I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so, you know, let's just focus yeah. on where you're at today and just deal with the reality. The reality is that you've been injured. The reality is that you're in hospital with COVID. The reality is you were working a job that demanded 70 hours of your time a week, whatever, but... Deal with that reality and then use the four-point system that I said earlier and you'll change just about any situation if you're willing to. Exactly, yeah. I like that. Brilliant. So thank you very much for coming on, Adam. It was brilliant. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I hope everyone listening has taken a lot from that and I know I have. And um, I will leave with one question to all my listeners is um, who do you deserve to be? And go out and find that person and don't let anyone stop you. So, yeah. brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you.